Thank you. Thank you again for pressing play on the 95 Adventure Podcast. We have a wonderful guest today, Michael Whitehead, professional golfer, avid traveler, and a great story in this episode about teeing off on the first hole of the U.S. Open. You're not going to want to miss it. So enough of me talking. Here's Michael Whitehead. Let's give everybody a glimpse into the life of a pro golfer and how much you travel a year. Yeah. So, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Michael Whitehead. I am a professional golfer and I travel and play golf full time for a living. Um, so end up traveling, uh, between, between March and November, I end up traveling a good bit. Uh, hopefully at least a couple times a month for, for tournaments and stuff. And a lot of that is driving. Some of that is flying. Just in general, I'm just on the road a good bit. So my last uh, my last month my last six weeks particularly have been um, filled with a lot of hours in the car because I was playing kind of up in Colorado and playing up in Wyoming and kind of doing a, a west a western swing or whatever kind of spent some time in northern Texas and New Mexico and Colorado and Wyoming so I just took a car and drove so I ended up driving about seven thousand miles uh, and playing a bunch of tournaments kind of back to back and just kind of spent a lot of time up in the mountains and in the, I guess the uh, less humidity um, filled areas of the country, which was just wonderful. But uh, 7,000 miles is a, is a lot of miles. It's a lot of time in the car. You listen to a lot of podcasts, you listen to a lot of music and whatever, but really, really enjoyed it. it I mean, it was an adventure. Um, kind of the first time I had done a six week road trip is, in a long time. So normally my road trips are more like three weeks on, one week off, two weeks on, one week off or whatever. And this was kind of felt a lot like six straight weeks. So really, really um, fun for me. Yeah, man, it sounds like a it sounds like a bunch of fun. It sounds like everybody's um, uh, vacation, you know, and pretty, that's pretty much <laughs> go, go to the mountains, play some golf, you know, hang out, drink drink some Colorado beer from some good breweries and stuff like that. It's pretty much a vacation, just there's a competitive edge to it. Yeah, you got to be focused and worried about golf and how you're going to play and that sort of stuff. You're making a paycheck at that time, so that uh, yeah. that kind of changes the thing, which is going to lead me into with somebody who travels so much and sees so many different sites – and you have a wife at home who is amazingly supportive, obviously, of your golfing career. And I think she's actually sure. more into you playing golf than you're into playing golf <laughs> at times. We're, we definitely match each other's intensity on that, I, I think, which is uh, I couldn't do it without her With or the, without her willingness to, to be there and support, for sure. I still so do. Much. I still do hashtag Team Whitehead because of her with the little <laughs> hand, the hand <laughs> motion. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, wow. we can get into that in a little bit too, but I want to know how, and this is just curious for, like, for me, for everybody, what, how do you work out vacations when you get back home from a long road trip and then Jordan's like, okay, I've got a week off, it's time to go now, I've been stuck in the house the whole time. Right, uh, my vacations, most of the time, don't really have very much golf going on. Uh, 
part, the, one of the things that I love most about what I do is just the ability to travel and the ability to be in different places and see different things, um, new experiences, new restaurants, new faces, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's one of my favorite things about my job. And so a vacation for me still probably has that element to it. Maybe I don't go play golf. Maybe I don't wake up and, you know, practice from, you know, eight to five or, you know, kind of make a full day out of, you know, what, what is my work. But a vacation to me is still a large part of what my job is. Um, so whenever she gets her weeks off, like we still like to go places. We still like to, we love, we love, you know, the West, we love Colorado and, and the mountains and we love, love that kind of stuff. We're more mountain people than beach people. So probably, you know, three to one, we go on vacation up north versus going to a beach somewhere. But I mean, really a vacation for me is, is a lot of what my job is. It's getting outdoors, it's going to see new places, it's going to experience kind of the local culture of wherever I am. Um, so a vacation for me really doesn't change that much. I just don't spend as much time on the golf course or, you know, kind of analyzing or, or working on my game or, or whatever. So um, when she gets her weeks off, we still we still love to go outside and go do things that are fun, take CrossFit or, you know, whatever. But we kind of get outdoors. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty cool that you can. Uh, I mean, I know from my time traveling so much. Of course, I was going to Beaumont, Texas, not um, <laughs> the mountains. But uh, being alone right. by yourself on the road and stuff like that gets pretty lonely at times. Uh, I know. Obviously, you have like your friends and peers that you've, you know, you've had. Um, relationships with playing golf and whatnot but you know that that makes a little bit of a difference but to be without your wife and you know your life partner like that it gets a little old after a while seeing the empty walls of the hotel rooms oh absolutely and even even if i stay i try to do a pretty good job staying with people wherever i go finding a host um you know sometimes it's friends of a friend or whatever but i generally try to find somebody to stay which you know, how it helps with the whole not being in an empty hotel room. But uh, definitely when you don't have your, your wife and your life partner, it's, I mean, it's definitely lacking something. So no no question. Yeah, that man, that's... Uh, that's... Man, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy to... Um, to imagine... Like the trips, I want to go back to you and and Jordan, and I know there was one of the cool um, coolest things I heard when I first met you guys. Uh, obviously, I'd seen you quite a bit, like working out of the gym, and we had kind of passed each other or whatever. But um, when I really got to know you guys and finding out, like you're a professional golfer, and there's the whole talk, like, hey, we've got a professional golfer at the gym. Oh, which one is he? Which one is he? I don't know. I'm like, who, who's this professional golfer we have at the gym? And then uh, I I remember coming in for lunch one day and just seeing like this dude swinging this chain thing around with a hand. I was like, that's him. Got him. Um, but uh, you wouldn't believe how many people would walk up and go, so uh, what is that? <laughs> And I'd have to explain it, and then somebody else would walk out because I have I have several different like specific golf fitness 
pieces of equipment that I would use during open gym. Uh, and so there would be so many people who would just be like, why, why do you have a chain out here? Why, why do you have these weird-looking sticks, you know, whatever? What are you doing? Like, it's just one person after another would just walk up and just be so confused. And then I'd explain it, and they'd be like, less confused but still intrigued and whatever. I'd let some people explain the stuff, and they loved it. Everybody should get into golf fitness, I think. Oh, totally. It looked like a blast. <laughs> I mean, it looked more fun than any sort of fitness class that I've ever seen. So, ah, uh, you, you get aggression out. It's a, it's a violent, it's a violent move. So you get your aggression out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so when I was talking to you and Jordan there, and just asking, you know, and she's telling me about the golf tournaments, and I'm just picking the brain because I'm curious about everything like that. She would go on these road trips with you and caddy for you. Yeah, your tournaments. Early, so, uh, early on, um, I say early on, but er- earlier on in our marriage and whatever, she actually didn't work. She just traveled with me full time uh, and would caddy full time. So uh, maybe during the winter or something like that, she'd coach some high school soccer and, and do a few things or whatever. But then for a stint there, she just traveled with me full time. So we ended up playing uh, a little bit internationally up in Canada and. and around and whatever so we were traveling full-time together and she was my caddy and we just uh we were always together and that was super fun for me um to be able to just because it it was i was able to mix the things that i loved i was able to have my wife with me and travel and see new things like every week and so that was that was really a highlight uh of our of my golf career and to me of our our marriage as well so far as just the ability to kind of be together all the time and travel and see all these new things and experience all these new things. Yeah, that's just that man. That seems really, really fun. I mean, not only are you out there working, but then you know, I said on the um one of my last solo podcasts. I don't know if you listen to it or not, but it. Uh, I said there's a great comedy skit that I love, and that's like, um, it was by. I think Tom Segura said it, or maybe he said it on his podcast, but he talks about like, oh, all these people, I, I'm around all these people who say, oh, I can't wait to get away from my wife. She nags me. I can't stand my wife. It's like, well, I think you may have married the wrong person. <laughs> I I couldn't agree more. Like, if your wife should be the person you're like, I, I want to spend almost all of my time around her or whatever. It's just, it's, it's a fun partner. It's a good partner. It's uplifting and encouraging. And so, so how did that relationship work through traveling every day together? Basically, you're being she's you're both kind of on vacation and working at the same time on those uh, on those trips, but for long stretches of time. Yeah, totally. No, well, what ended up happening was uh, she would kind of take on. Uh, the logistics, kind of the travel details, where are we going, where are we staying, you know, kind of try to manage um, the day-to-day, I, I guess I'd call it operations, and take some of that stuff off of my plate so that I could just focus on playing golf uh, and getting out there and, and hitting that little white ball as best as I could. So that's kind of how it ended up splitting up or, you know, whatever division of roles or whatever. Just kind of ended up with her being kind of the manager, um, the travel manager, the, you know, whatever, the manager. And I ended up just kind of being the player. So kind of a cool dynamic. 
That sounds exactly the same way it would be set up with me and Kim. She handles the finances. She handles the food. She handles the travel. She handles my schedule. All I would have to do is go out and perform. And then if I didn't, I would be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes I didn't perform and that was not good. <laughs> yeah, the paycheck shrinks a little. All right. Yep. At least I'm salary, so it works out better. <laughs> but uh, it never caused – did it ever get like – tight and tense on those like when you're spending that much time in a car together i'm sure people are getting an idea like man i'm in the car this long with my wife you know the same person even you know roommate you name it sure for this long and Uh we've got the stresses of like okay so you played bad this week you know yeah yeah yeah. no there were definitely moments where it was um I guess tense is a better word. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't contentious. We weren't, you know, at each other's throats or anything like that. But there were definitely moments where it was kind of like, okay, like I just, I need a, I need a minute right now or, you know, something like that or whatever. But mostly uh, when we were away from the golf course, we were able just to enjoy time together and, and kind of do, you know, whatever normal stuff. But it, if, as if it was going poorly on the golf course, then kind of the player-caddy relationship, like I needed an outlet kind of vent to or something like that but it's like it's your wife as your caddy so you're kind of like uh like i can't really just like yell at you when it's like what i really need to do is just kind of get frustrated but couldn't really do that so that was that was the really kind of weird dynamic uh with the caddy player relationship if i was having a you know bad nine holes or you know whatever a bad tournament or something as a normal normal caddy you can just kind of be like like ah like we're frustrated and it's not going very well and you kind of you know, vent a little bit, but when it's your wife, it's kind of like, you know, later that evening, like, it's, she's still your wife, and she's no longer your caddy, so that was, that was really the, the dynamic that was harder to wade through, and we, we worked through it, and now when she caddies, like, we, we do awesome together, even if I'm a little frustrated, like, she's able to help me through that, or whatever, like, that really kind of helped us moving forward as a caddy player duo, um, because we just had to work through some stuff on on that, but good now. Yeah, I and one thing I think a lot of people don't uh, realize, or like maybe not know about you, especially if they're listening to this podcast, duh. But um, that she was—I mean, it probably helps her being like a high-level athlete herself. Right. And understanding the same frustrations, like she she understands your frustrations and whatnot, so that probably helps out with that. I'm assuming, but yeah, yeah. For sure. Ever since we've ever since we've been together, she's been. I mean, she's been an encourager, just like, hey, like maybe you should go practice, or hey, maybe you know we could do this to help get better, or you know something like that. My uh, my college coach when I first started dating her, uh, which would have been sophomore year of college. Uh, he, he pulls me into his office and he sat me down. He's like, "Okay, Michael, like I know, I know you're dating somebody now, and that's great. But I just want to make sure, like, it doesn't, you know, kind of, you know, I want your focus to still be on golf and whatever. And like, coach, like, if you knew who I was dating now, like, you would not be worried one single bit. Like, she is a motivated and a highly focused person, and she wants she wants to perform well at her sport. And she wants me to perform well at my sport." 
and everything else is about grades, academics, you know, whatever. Like, she wants excellence in life. So, uh, I was like, Coach, you really don't need to worry about that one. And I was right. And he didn't need to worry. And if he were still my coach, he still doesn't need to worry. So, that's, man, that's such an important part that um, everybody kind of needs to. I think everybody should have or like get a glimpse into of just like that relationship is is pretty sweet because that would be pretty tough. Um, and uh, but it's pretty neat to hear like the that travel side of it. But moving on from that with the uh, with the couple sing now that we've gone through that therapy and worked out all those issues. <laughs> what? Out of all the places you've been, you've been to Canada, you've been all over the place, and you've played golf on some of the best golf courses around, including the U.S. Right. Open, am I right? Right. Okay, so what's your favorite place of uh, any of the places you've been? If you had to pick a place to go back to, where would it, go, where would it be? Like a specific golf course? or No, like an area. Right. in the Like an area. Oh, um... So if, if Michael if Michael and Jordan had to go on vacation, we 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 would lo- I I love the Pacific Northwest. Um, Seattle is is one of my all time favorite cities. Uh, Washington and Oregon are are a couple of just beautiful states. Um, so I, that's that's I was really pumped. I got to take Jordan there in 2015 on a golf trip to the Pacific Northwest, and I had been there a couple times before for golf and stuff like that, and I, was, I just knew she was going to love it. And so that was that was one of my favorite trips, um, was to be able to take her there and, and be able to do the Pacific Northwest thing. I love, I love both the, the Northeast and the Northwest, but the Pacific Northwest in particular, I just really, really love that area. Good golf courses, great weather, uh, particularly in the summer, um, just super fun. Man, I want to go there so bad. I tell Kim all the time. I mean, her dad lives up there, and I want to go fly fishing with him. It's oh, like, oh hey, um, yeah. Do you want to go to Bend uh, anytime soon? I really want to take you to see your dad. And really, that's me saying, I really want to go see your dad. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's, the the Northwest is so cool. The vibe of of the culture and the food and the fresh seafood and just it's all so 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 good. Oh, I can't! I can't wait to go. One of these times, I'm going to get up there. I'm going to make it, and it's going to be great. Oh, absolutely! You'll you'll never want to come back. Like, <laughs> no, knowing knowing you and Kim, like, kind of what you guys like and where you like to go and everything. I mean, the Pacific Northwest. You're you are going to love, in particular. Um, and man, I mean, look, got to take Jordan to the original Starbucks, which was just the coolest experience. For me, as a non-coffee drinker, I was like, "Wow, this is like where it all started," and stuff like that. There's just so much, so much fun stuff to do up there: food, coffee, culture, everything. So, how do you drive or travel seven thousand miles and not have coffee? That you know, I wish I knew. Uh, <laughs> I, I always, I always say I'm just high energy, and I don't know if that's the case or not, but. I just have never, I just never really drinking coffee, and somehow I just whenever I wake up, like I'm awake until I go to sleep. Like I don't need, I don't need caffeine too often for some reason. 
That's uh, hey, I think it's a great thing. Uh, I heard Tate Fletcher say uh, on a little uh, thing one time, a conversation he was having, that um, uh, he's like, I don't understand these pre-workout drinks and all this stuff. Like, if you can't get motivated by yourself, <laughs> it's like if you need a little pink drink to get motivated to work out, right. <laughs> you've got other issues in your life you need to work out. Yeah, the only thing that I, ha- I mean, I haven't experienced kids yet, and I hear when you have kids, you're pretty dang tired, particularly early on. So uh, that's that's kind of the last hurdle. I think that if if I can get through that without drinking coffee, then I'm good to go. But I'm not <laughs> optimistic. Not optimistic on that one because I I see some of our friends who are new parents and have you know newborns and whatever, and I'm kind of like, huh, like. They look really tired, and so coffee might become a thing, even if I don't like the taste. Might just might need it. I'll I'll say I'll just give you a, a thing of confidence that if you can travel seven thousand miles by yourself in a car through uh, West Texas, <laughs> then you'll be okay with the tired part of kids. <laughs> All right, that's, that's, that's optimism right there. I'm, I'm going with that. Um, Okay, let's take people into like a glimpse into Michael Whitehead's work life a little bit. Okay. Let's go through a work day when you're not uh, playing a tournament. So a non-tournament yeah. weekend, week, weeks, you know, month, however that works. How, what, what's, what's a day in the life of a pro golfer look like? Um, different, different for every pro golfer. Uh, my, my daily schedule... Like, let's say I have two weeks where I'm not traveling or something like that. So if I come home from a tournament on Sunday and then I've got two weeks, you know, till I leave, you know, two two Mondays till I leave, basically, that first two or three days, not going to do a whole lot. My body's going to be pretty tired. I've just spent so much mental energy, um, you know, for four rounds in a row, focusing so hard. And uh, golf is a lot more physically taxing than I think most people think it is. And walking that many, I mean, you're walking many, many miles uh, every day and you're trying to focus for five hours at a time, you know, whatever. So I, I'm pretty drained when I get home. So my first couple of days, I'll be a whole bunch of nothing um, with some anal- analyzing and assessing, you know, what I did well at the last tournament, what I didn't do well at the last tournament or whatever, kind of if I know something about where I'm going for the next tournament, then I'll be kind of thinking about what's the best way to prepare for that venue. Like, am I going somewhere that's predominantly soft or long or short or tight or, you know, whatever, kind of doing some research on where I'm going next so I can try to prepare as as well as possible. Um, So that's kind of my first two or three days. And then the next, uh, what would that be, like 10 days or something like that, 11 days. Like, really, I'm I'm starting with the fundamentals. I'm doing drills. I'm doing basic, boring repetition of putting, chipping, ball striking, you know, out on the golf course, whatever, just kind of basic repetitions. And I'm probably getting to the golf course like eight or nine in the morning, maybe an hour break for lunch. And then I'm practicing until about three or four in the afternoon. And then I'm going to go hit the gym for a couple hours or something like that uh, and get my fitness in. So it's pretty much an eight to five, eight to six kind of day. Once I kind of get get over my post trip uh, tiredness or whatever, and that'll be pretty much the same thing uh, till I leave. So 
my days are really monotonous. Uh, I'm one of those people, I guess, maybe you call them blessed, maybe you call them not blessed, but my weekends and my weekdays look pretty much identical. My Tuesdays and my Saturdays don't look very different at all. Uh, so, <laughs> you're, you're, you're playing the weekend sport as your job, I guess. As, yeah, so my days, my days look really similar. Um, so every day kind of ends up looking basically the exact same. I do drills, I do repetition stuff, I do, you know, I'm just trying to get better. Um, that 1% better every day, if I can somehow pull that off, that's what I'm shooting for. Oh man, this is something that, uh, you know, you watch like the golf channel and you're bringing this up and that's why it sparked the golf channel right now because, uh, my dad used to always have the golf magazines and we played a bunch of golf when we were younger and you talked about golf being, you know, physical and Tiger kind of made it where everybody had to be in shape, but I mean, uh, it is more taxing. I'm in pretty decent shape and Last time I played with you, I hadn't played golf in a while, and I went out and played golf with you. And, man, I was like, I was swinging pretty good until about probably, I don't know, uh-huh. even even seven, I think seven holes in, and then that's when the driver started to leak, and I started having some issues and breaking down, and I, I could feel myself actually getting tired. But um, Yeah, you yeah know, we were in carts, too. Yeah. I walked in tournaments. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, and you're playing. You're playing four days. Like that's exhausting. Yeah, um, totally. I'm but, drained. And by the end of end of seventy two holes and a full week of tournament rounds and practice rounds and whatever, like I am, I am drained. Like my my Mondays after tournaments, uh, I'm virtually worthless. Well, not just Can't that. Do anything. But the mental thing too. But what what I was gonna say about the the golf magazines because I kind of got off on like I went off on that one um the golf magazines you see people like tinker with your swing and you'll take these like uh this tip right here will take five shots off your your game and I see so much and almost maybe like yeah right Uh uh-huh sure uh but you see those things and I see people like my dad and like and just people on the golf course on the the weekend golfers going out there and working on that on a Saturday and a Sunday and then throughout the week there's nothing and then they go back out and they're working on it is like 10 minutes before they go out and play around the golf. Yeah. You're sitting there doing hours of work Half your day from eight to six is spent on just a drill, just one drill, oh, the over and over means. and over again. How do you keep the passion for golf the way the weekend golfer does? Because it sounds like you just absolutely like you found you don't really work a day in your life because you're doing what you love to do. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely work. Um, so it's, I I enjoy the work. And I enjoy I enjoy what the work produces. I enjoy, you know, competing in tournaments and doing well in tournaments and getting into contention to win golf tournaments. Uh, so I, I know that even if I'm not enjoying the work in that moment, like what it's producing is, is worthwhile. Uh, but there's definitely, there's definitely days where I'm like, I really don't want to do this. I'm really tired. It's 100 degrees outside. Like I, there's definitely days. Where it's like, no, this is actually a job. And really, ever since I turned turned professional out of college, um, I've always taken that approach. I go, it's it's a job. Like I really enjoy it, and it's really fun. But it's definitely a job. 
uh, and then that that helps me whenever the days are hard or whenever the days are long or hot or whatever. I go, no, like it's a job, and people have to work at their jobs, and so like you're going to work, and what you're doing is going to produce what you really want, which is to win and compete and the fun stuff. So the, it's just it's more of a mindset to me. I, I love golf, and I love competing, and I love just playing golf, but the job part of it, is more of keeping uh, the actual goal or the, the prize at the end of the road in front of me. And that, that kind of keeps me motivated to get through the practice. Well, that's, a, that's a very interesting way of looking at it. And what you said is, is really, um, really beneficial for any sort of outlook on life. Is that like, you know, you wake up and you got to go to your work. And let's say, I don't know. For the sake of the podcast, we'll say it's an adventure, like you have a trip planned, or let's say you know you have uh, a game, like a league game that's coming up two days from now. But you got to get up and you got to go work, you know, or you got a holiday come, whatever it may be, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. But you have to wake up in the morning. You got to go to work so you can get through that day, so that you can make it to the next day, so that you can get to the fun stuff, the stuff you enjoy. Yeah. So you have to mentally tell you, you know, like you said, you have to tell yourself, hey, it's a job. You know, I've got to do this little tedious stuff for half the day in a hundred degree weather, and I got to hit, you know, two or three hundred putts today, doing these drills to see the results when I play on the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. It's just to me, it's um, I've done it so long now. I've I've been disciplined enough for so long now that it's, I don't even really think about it um, at this point. Like Very, very rarely do I have the days where I'm just like, man, I just really don't want to do this. Like At this point, like I've done it so many times and for so long. I've been playing professional for like seven years now or something. Like At this point, like I just do it. Um, but early on, you, just, you have to remember, you always have to focus on what you're actually doing it for or whatever. And I'm, I'm really, really fortunate that what I really, really enjoy doing is golf. And so, like, the sucky parts of the practicing golf, it's like, it's still golf. So, like, by no means am I saying everybody's got the same situation. Mine is still unique. But it's like, it's just discipline at this point. Well, I think a lot more people could be in your position with the same sort of effort. You know, there's a lot of things, like, I never thought that we would make it to Hawaii. Let's just say – I'm going to break it down in smaller terms. Like yours is yours is on the grand scheme of, scheme of life. But it's all kind of relatable to this thing where I never thought that I'd make it to Hawaii once, much less twice in eight months. Right. And the only reason that changed was my mindset towards like, oh, hey, if I just – like if we just do these little things here that aren't even that hard – but I have the right mindset towards it. Oh yeah, it's it's much easier than I thought. But you got to be disciplined to make it to that point, uh, to save for the vacation or to you know whatever it may be. You got to be disciplined and go through a little bit of struggle to get what you want out of it. So if everybody practiced the way you do and went through the same processes that you did, you know, and maybe even focused a little harder on it, they might be able to be a pro golfer. But it's the it's only 1% of those people want to actually do that and throw themselves out there like, 
uh, they just give up when it gets becomes a struggle. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I see that all the all the time with uh, my some of my peers who have you know we grew up playing together through high school and college, and you know maybe they turned pro as well out of college, and then a year or two in, they were just like, "No, nah, it's too hard. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> it's not worth the effort or whatever." Happens all the time. Yeah, it's kind of it. It really is like kind of interesting to see, but because you would think something that people enjoy so much on the weekends or, you know, they, they go on vacations to do what you're doing. Right. It's, it's, an, it's really interesting to see how when it can, comes to like applying themselves at that thing to be good at it, they seem to lose the focus or lose the drive or they get burned out or they just, they don't want to do the hard stuff and the stuff that it takes to get to somebody in your position. So, right. Let that being said, how is it? So I know you've played in the U.S. Open before. Uh, you filled in for some sort of like I don't know. He was kind of a high end golfer, I believe. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Yeah, he won a few majors some point in time. <laughs> I think maybe on the senior tour. He might be on the senior tour now <laughs> with his back problems. <laughs> but yeah, um, old old. Old T Dub, he got injured, one of his many injuries, and I ended up taking over his spot. So let's go to T number one. Oh, you know what? Let's go to the night before. I want to know what golf course it was at because I don't remember which. One. I know I remember him getting hurt, but I don't remember which one. So let's go. I just want to know. This is for me and anybody else listening, but I'm really curious. Um, Night before, what you're thinking, and then the feeling it was starting on T1 and having that name announced. Uh, yeah, so it was Congressional, I think, Golf Club or maybe Congressional Country Club or, or something. It's over in Maryland, uh, East Coast. Uh, and uh, my first, I was, what time was I teeing off? I think it was in the morning wave the first day. Yes, it was in the morning when it was the first day. And I was seeing off on number 10, which is a part three, about 200, and I think it was like just over 200 yards that day, but it's water short and bunkers long. Uh, and I vividly remember it was 18 steps, basically, from water to bunker. So it's not a very wide landing area, um, or I guess deep landing area from 200 yards for your first tee shot as a really as a professional um, Phil Mixon had just hit it in the water right right in front of me, like in the group or two in front of me, or whatever. So I'm kind of like, okay. Uh, but anyway, the night before, the night before, um, I, don't, I don't remember a ton about right before. I remember my brother was telling me uh, I was not married. Jordan was there, but we were fiance, we weren't uh, sharing a room or, or whatever. Um, and my brother and I were actually sharing a room at the tournament, and he goes, Man, you're doing interviews in your sleep. Like I was, I was sleep talking, but I was doing <laughs> interviews. Like I had done so many interviews, literally. Like because I took over Tiger's spot, it was such a bigger deal than it needed to be. But I had done interviews with the Associated Press, Wall Street, um, not Wall Street, uh, the Washington Post, uh, ESPN. Like I had done interviews with everybody, and so I had like all these kind of lines that I just memorized and that I was parroting back because everybody's asking the same questions. And, whatever, and he goes, you're doing interviews in your sleep. And so I was like, 
think I was answering questions that I had heard, you know, all week or whatever. Uh, so that anyway, that's what's going on the night before U.S. Open is I'm doing interviews in my sleep because I've done so many. But uh, wake up, go through just really the normal routine. Uh, it's another golf tournament. It's another day. I know it's way bigger than anything I've ever played in, but it's still a, it's still a golf tournament and still go through my normal routine. But the uh, first tee shot, hands are shaking. I'm nervous, big time or whatever. But same thing. Like I had had big moments before. And I had learned how to deal with the pressure and the, the nervousness. So it was same thing. Put the put the ball on the tee, pick my target, one waggle, big breath, close my eyes, swing. And I opened my eyes before I hit the ball, but I, I closed them right before I swung. <laughs> so I didn't hit it with my eyes closed. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. But that's kind of when the, when the pressure gets really big, like I just do my normal routine, and I take one big breath. And then I just trust that I'm going to pull it off because I've done this a whole bunch of times to this point. And so all that I'm going to do by worrying about it is make it worse. So I might as well just go, you know what? Like, you trained it, now just trust it. So one big breath and let it go. Did it go in the water? No, it didn't go in the water. Come on. <laughs> but dude. That. I, that I, landed that, I hit that four iron, landed it like six feet from the flag. It bounced to about 25 feet long, and I two-footed for a par, and I got out of there no problem. Well, I don't w- the first two, I was like, man, I got this, and then I bogeyed the next four. But those first two holes, they were good. Well, let's go. We can. You have this to say, then, that you beat Phil Mickelson on the first hole of the U.S. Open. Yes, sir, by two shots. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Not many people can say that at all. <laughs> no, not, not very many. <laughs> nope. Nope. Only the people that have played the US Open and that hole. <laughs> so also true. Yep. Yep. Man, that's that was a that was actually a pretty cool story. I kinda put myself in your shoes for a second, like just playing with the people you'd be playing with, like your peers and being in similar situations where um, there was certain pros that I would go skate with and the first time being from South Texas, you know, kind of stuck down in your own bubble not being around a lot to actually going and being in like a street session with these guys and then being in a X Games and then being in a NIST, it's like, whoa, it's very, um, you kind of forget sometimes like, oh, I earned this spot. Yeah, you know, it's more of a, you know, it takes a little bit to figure out that you belong. Oh, absolutely. But Definitely. I mean, for me particularly, I had just finished school. Um, I was effectively a college kid, and it's like I, I definitely was trying to project that I felt like I belonged, but deep down, it was like I have no idea if I belong or not. Like I've never, I've never competed as a professional. I've never played in a tournament with you know, this good, this talented of a field. And so, um, definitely was just like, well, we're going to find out whether I belong or don't real quick. So, so just one of those kind of situations. It's like you end up somewhere where you didn't expect to be. And you're like, I I have no idea. I just didn't know. How close were you to making the cut? Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't real far off. Um, just a, a handful of shots couple shots are like I played fine I shot like 77 75 
Listen to U.S. Open is not yeah. is not that bad. No, that's pretty good. Um, in a normal tournament, you know, maybe that's not real good at all. But in a U.S. Open, particularly my first, you know, pro event of, of that magnitude, I was I was totally pleased. I did a couple things really really well. I did a couple things where I was like, okay, like I need to get better at that. Just in general, but overall, I left totally positive and totally encouraged. Uh, and my ability to play this game as a professional and, and be able to succeed at it. No, that's, that's, man, that's, that story is really cool, man. I love, I love that, like, that first tee, and that's the first time out of all the years I know you did think to ask that or to, <laughs> to get yeah. that perspective from you, because, I mean, I think it, I mean, it helps me with different things, like, you know, you think about meeting people, even just meeting people, and you get, I don't get awestruck by people. I kind of know that they're just humans, you know? Right. They're just human beings with a talent. I have a talent for other things they don't have talents for, you know? So right. so they just happen to have this extraordinary talent that they worked hard with and, you know, entertain people. So, right. uh, but there are a few times where I'm like, okay, I'm in the presence of like, I'm a fanboy right now. I'm a fanboy. <laughs> but you're, you know, you're in the middle of it trying to, to uh you know they're your peers now and you yeah. got, you're out there you're the same as them so you got to be like calm cool and collected and uh that's a totally different story so that yeah. i mean no it was awesome and it was honestly it was a long time building to that moment um because i had to learn how to deal with nerves and deal with pressure and and whatever and i had failed many 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 times uh, kind of through high school and through college. And even though I had won some tournaments and stuff like that, but my senior year, I blew, I blew like three tournaments in a row, uh, without, without closing the deal. I had been leading or right there or tied or something and had blown like three tournaments in a row before I finally learned how to deal with nervousness. And, uh, I vividly remember I shot 62 in the final round to win this one college tournament spring of my senior year. Um, and I remember setting the putter head down and the putter head was shaking. Like it was, it was shaking on the ground. My hands were shaking so bad. And I was like, Oh, look at that. Like I'm nervous. Like it was one of these kind of serene moments where I was calm, but like everything was shaking because I was so pumped full of adrenaline. And I ended up making the putt anyway. And I go, Oh, look, like I can, I can putt when I'm nervous. I can, I can play when my hands are shaking. And then it's like that built on something else, and I did something else awesome under pressure, and then I got to the U.S. Open, and I took that one breath, closed my eyes, pulled the trigger, and I hit that shot really well. And so it's like it's just kind of built on itself where you just, where for at least for me, like I just kind of learned how to deal with the nervousness. And so now as my hands are shaking, I'm like, all right, this is good. Like there's enough here that I'm, I'm pumped and I'm ready to go, and I know I can handle this situation because I've done it in the past. So... It, it just it all builds on itself. Yeah, that and the momentum that you that you've been building up, and then you know now that you've played in the U.S. Open, you're like, oh, not only do I belong, I, I did. You know, I missed the cut with some really good players that missed the cut because you're right there on the edge. So, right, um, you know, guys that I'm sure guys that have won majors in the past, they miss cuts all the time in the U.S. Open. Just you know by that number that you just said. So, yeah, the, I mean, the margins are so narrow. It's yeah. Like, it just doesn't take that much to miss the cut. I could have just as easily made the cut with a couple extra better shots at the right time. 
so just a margin that's just so narrow. Yeah, yeah, and especially on the golf course. But yeah, yeah but to know, to the confidence that it's got to build, the momentum and everything, and the, like realization, and then you kind of lose sight that you even failed before once. In that moment, it seems like it seems like you just the failure don't even doesn't even come to mind. It's only the success that you remember. Yeah. Um, the only reason you would even think of the failure is you go, okay, that's what I did and that didn't work. So let me let me do something different. For for me. Yeah, just for learning off of it. But but uh, it's uh, it's kind of like something my dad used to t- teach me. Like growing up, he was a pretty good tennis player. Uh, he went on a full ride, and you know was ranked in the nation in doubles and singles. And he's uh, he would always. You know, tell me that you got to forget about the bad. Like, don't even remember it. Put it behind you. As soon as it happens, you're not getting upset about it. You just right. do it. He goes, the best people in the world, they do it, and then they forget about it. They only remember the good. They keep that good feeling and that good repetition in. So, um, one, having the motivation to get back up when you do fail. But two, being able to forget that failure feeling and move on to the positive feelings is a tough thing to train yourself to do. And a moment like that has to be a big leap in like, man, I failed. You said you failed a lot of times before that. And all those little things really weren't failures because they kind of taught you how to deal with the nerves to hit that four iron close to the hole and beat Phil Mickelson by two shots. Right. Yeah. What's the, what's the thing? You either, you either win or you learn. Like I just took those opportunities to learn how to get better. Uh, and then they, they built on top of that, whatever. And you have, you know, you have better times and worse times. Like it's not like every moment since college, like has been a success under pressure. But like you just you continue to try to to learn and to get better and to handle it better than the time you did before. Man, I'm fired up now, Michael. I want to go out and play golf or go <laughs> play hockey or do something. I want to do something. That's man. The sport you play is super duper humbling, and I know I started playing hockey on Monday nights. And let me tell you, I'm a pretty athletic kid. Like, I everything's come kind of easy to start out with me. Like, I know the fundamentals. I know about you know I'm staying square to things, and it, really, there's like a general athletic rule that you can get by. Hockey was different for me. I was like a baby deer. <laughs> Not just a bo- newborn baby deer, but a newborn baby deer on ice. And I can skate. But when you put a stick in there and you've got other people flying that know what they're doing around the ice and a puck and it doesn't slide like you think it does on ice. So right. it's a it's, – uh, man, I have all the respect for those high-level hockey players, especially after trying to play. It was a super humbling experience. To get out there on the ice, um, but so you've got a game that like can ex- humble you extremely, but also um, teach you awesome lessons, man. I'm fire. I'm like, it got me all pumped up. Now I want to go play golf. <laughs> well, I uh, I know a guy who you can play with. So. Yeah, all I gotta do is I schedule a trip down to Houston sometime. It's not that far away, huh? That's true. Yeah, just about an hour and a half. I'll tell Andrew that I'm working, and then um, 
We'll just go out and tee off. I'll <laughs> no. uh, tell my boss that I'm working too. Yeah. Yeah, your boss. <laughs> She's like, oh yeah, you are working. You're at the golf course. Good job. <laughs> Te- yeah, technically you are. You got to let that one sit on you for a second. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, let's see. Let's go ahead. I want to know, do you know where Jordan's top places to take vacation are? Jordan's top places to take vacation. Um, Colorado is, is definitely one of the top ones in our on our list. Um, the Pacific Northwest is also top on her list. So we, we both were like, yeah, like, you know, when you start talking about, you know, is there a potential retirement spot or a second house spot or something like that, like Seattle, Oregon, you know, whatever, Washington, Oregon, like that's, that's probably pretty top on her list. Um, there was one place in California that you really loved, but I, I don't know. We seem, to me, we seem like West, West Coast people um, somehow. Yeah. I don't know if we're just a little laid back or if that's just kind of the vibe that we roll with. Or something, but I I think of us as kind of West Coast people. So most of the time when we get out west, we we really really enjoy it. You're Tupac, not Biggie. I got it. Tupac, not Biggie. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> oh, but uh, man, retirement homes. That's a cool. That that's kind of a cool thought, or like where you want to move. But yeah. what do you what do you do what do you do for fun when you're not playing golf? Like. You're doing everybody's fun thing. Like, they work during right. the week to go out and play golf. So what do you do when you're not working? Um, you know, I, I say fitness, but really I, I do most of my fitness because of golf. Um, CrossFit, started doing CrossFit for golf, but really that kind of became a hobby. Like, I, I do a lot of golf-specific training. Uh, like we talked about before, and then specific like lifting and building up certain muscle groups that you know benefit the golf swing. So really, CrossFit kind of became a hobby of mine, and it just was more for general fitness and somewhere to go, see friends and hang out, whatever. So CrossFit, I would say, would be one thing that I do uh, just for fun and kind of get away and stuff like that. Uh, I enjoy fishing. I really, really enjoy particularly bass fishing here around South Texas and whatever. So that's, that's something that I would do whenever the golf course was closed, particularly in College Station. There were, it was easier to get out and fish in College Station. So on uh, Tuesdays when the golf course was closed in the morning, like a lot of the time I'd go fish. So that's something I love. Uh, generally, generally, like if I'm out in the sun, I'm, I'm happy. So I'm going to be that, like, 60-year-old guy with, like, 95-year-old skin <laughs> or whatever. And I, I wear sunscreen, but I just, it's not going to make a difference no. for me. Nope. Not if you're out in the sun that long. I wish, but, uh, I, I always tell Kim that I'm getting bronzed all the time. <laughs> I'm like, I'm bronzing, I'm bronzing. And for those people who cannot see me through the podcast, um, I'm pretty white. <laughs> like no matter how much I'm out in the sun, I'm either red or I'm white. There's no there's no in between. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. Yep, but I'm probably I'm going to be right in the same boat with you though. It, only mine's going to be sunspots. You just have to get those checked. Yeah, quite often. But, uh, yeah, for me, I just I love being outdoors. I love I love water. I love swimming. I love you know being on a boat. I love anything outdoors. Um, so 
when I'm not when I'm not working, like I still love being outdoors. It doesn't doesn't really change that. I get if I'm sitting down watching a movie or TV or something after too long, I, I'm like, okay, like, let's go do something outside. So. Yeah, man. Oh, I can't agree with you more. I mean, we have similar mindsets when it comes to that. Um, yeah, we are like twins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I actually bronze. Yeah, you actually do bronze, and you, you're <laughs> talented at golf and some other things. So. Whoa, hey, you are talented at golf as well. <laughs> I get lucky. I get lucky at golf. No, you remember when we played? You referenced it earlier, but you birdied that first hole. And you hit, what was that, like a three-iron or like an inch or something like that? See, now I'm pulling into the Michael territory because I can remember exactly what I did on that hole. I hit three-iron sand wedge, and then Ah, I didn't really even need my putter for it because it was right there by the hole. But Yeah, and you you beat me on that hole. So think about this. Like, the guy who beat Phil Mickelson by two shots on the first hole of the U.S. Open, you beat him by a shot at the campus course. College Station. So really, you beat Phil Mixon by like three <laughs> on the first hole. <laughs> oh man! Oh, that's amazing. I'm a I'm a good golfer. You you're better than Phil Mixon by a billion. Dude, that's, that could you know what that. That could be the name of this podcast. I'm better than Phil Mickelson with I'm Michael White. Than, there you go. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, uh, man, this has been this has been really fun, and I'm glad I'm sitting here watching the the little voice thing go, and uh, everything looks like it recorded good. So I think we got this episode down, Michael. Um, before we leave the podcast, I asked Terrence this question. I think it's like I think it's pretty cool. I got to get a, a couple of top fives from you, so I want. Top five golf courses. Like, if you only had five golf courses you could play over and over again, what five would those be? And right. um, let's see what the uh, that that's for sure the top five. And then top five places you would live, not vacation, but live permanently live. Yeah. Okay. Uh, top five golf courses. Uh, Eugene Country Club. That's uh, Eugene, Oregon. Um, Dallas National uh, Golf Club. That's Dallas. Uh, Whispering Pines um, Golf Club. That's Trinity, Texas. Hey, Trinity. Uh, I think, I think, I think. Five's a lot, man. Yeah, I know. Um, this, t- this is a tough one. I knew this would be a tough one with the golf courses. Yeah, I've played so many. That's that's. Those are definitely great. Austin Country Club is another perennial favorite of mine whenever I can get out there. Um, Austin Country Club is really, really great. Uh, I like throw in a Houston golf course just because for hometown's sake. Um, favorite course in Houston to play like every day? Probably Carlton Woods, Nicholas Course uh, out in the woodlands. That's probably one of my favorites in the city. Uh, Lakeside, Houston Country Club. There's a handful. But anyway, uh, five places to live, like retire to. Um, Colorado Springs, Colorado would be one. Uh, Austin, Texas would be another. 
I actually, I, a lot of people, I feel like, have a bad vibe of L.A. or whatever, but I actually like, I like L.A. Um, and I guess not a lot of people do. There's like a bajillion people <laughs> that live there, so not everybody can. That's part of, that's part of the problem, I guess, with L.A. So there's so many people, but I, I actually, I love the Southern Cali, Southern Cali thing. So um, we'll go to Seattle and L.A. and Austin um, and Colorado Springs slash Denver. Um, and Houston, where I'm living now, we'll go. We'll go with five. Dude, I dig it, man. I dig it. I like all those. And Pasadena, it's considered part of LA, but I dig Pasadena, and I'm not an LA fan, so uh, I could I could I, see being there. I think I think if you could kind of set it up right, like if you were you know retirement, and you had kind of the ability to set it up, kind of kind of close to wherever you wanted to be or whatever. Like if you got to drive across LA in that traffic, like, you're, nope. you're screwed. Nope. But but if you can kind of set it up where it's all kind of in your little sphere, your little bubble, like, it's pretty sweet. So uh, I'll put that in there. Yeah, I like it, man. Hey, this is this is the Michael Whitehead show right now, so you get to choose. <laughs> I get to choose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it's the Jordan Whitehead show, then she gets to choose. Yeah, but she probably would choose at least three of mine yeah odds are are good odds are good on those ones for sure for sure i say that like it's gonna be a whole lot different but y'all two are man two peas in a pod so well we are married yep that's good and i'm gonna have to have jordan on we'll talk about nutrition and uh rice soccer oh she'd love that she's in she's really into sleep and breathing right now so Ooh. that would actually be pretty interesting. Ooh, I like it. I like it. A little Wim Hof action. Yep. Awesome, man. Well, thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. I hope everybody enjoyed the podcast. If uh, if you have any questions for Michael, do uh, you want to tell them where they can find you on social media or you just want to let them search it? Uh, MW Golf Fitness. I think there's an underscore or, or something, maybe two underscores or something in there. But MW Golf Fitness. My Instagram. I don't have Twitter. Uh, not on Facebook time. Pretty much, pretty much Instagram. I kind of, I shed a whole bunch of stuff, including like Snapchat or whatever. So, yeah, kind of a Instagram guy. All right, we'll hit him up there, and then uh, let us know on the Nine Five Adventure Instagram page if you have any questions. If you can't find Michael, we can direct you there. But cheer for him. And follow him because he's a good dude and we want him to make the tour. So, uh, yeah, Michael, this has been great. Thanks a lot for being on, man. I'm glad we finally got this one. And the uh, fourth one's a charm. I guess we got to walk on this one. Yes, we got to walk. <laughs> Go ahead. Do it. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks. Bye. Bye.